Hey friends, Andy Jenkins here. I am at the Hilltop, but I'm not actually in my office. I usually record, as I tell you, every single week from this office with this huge window. I'm in the tiny house. Here's why. I can fit multiple people in the office, but it's a little crammed when I do that. And here's the issue with it. The desks face the wall. Well, the window wall. And that's not conducive to talking with the guest. And I've actually got a friend of mine, Adam Hicks, here uh, in the tiny house with me. So side note, if you're in town and you want to come see the tiny house, we're about to crank up. In fact, they're already done by the time that you're listening. The once a month cookouts here, I'll put the info down in the show notes below. You can come by and see it. Or you can do what my friend Sherilyn Patterson did last week. She was in town from the United Kingdom sent a message hey can me and my nephew come by and stay she stayed two days here from great britain in the tiny house all right all that said today we're going to talk about emotional health so you've got three parts of you body soul and spirit we talk a lot about the body especially right now we're rolling towards summer people are going to be thinking well i'm not going to be fitting in the swimsuit or golly i, I don't you know look right in the bathing suit or I you know need to shed some of the weight or I thought by now from New Year's I would be in a different place body a lot of people even not not, not even just a negative sense like pray with struggles in the body healing all sorts of issues like that you also know about the spirit you go to church on Sunday for the most part they're talking about spiritual health but there's a other dynamic that's your soul that deals with your mind your emotions your mood it's really part of your personality, how you take things in around the world. And Paul actually said this in the scripture. He said, my prayer is that you would be sanctified body, soul, and spirit. Actually, he reverses it. He says spirit, soul, and body. He, he puts the emphasis on the spirit, but then he mentions that soul and says, hey, this is the next one you really got to pay attention to, then the body. We tend to reverse all of that and work at body then maybe our spirit, eh, then, then the soul. But this one is one you've really got to hone in on. Okay, so here's my friend, Adam Hicks. Adam is, hey, say, say hello, just so they get your voice. What's up, everybody? Okay, so, so glad to be here. So Adam is one of the campus pastors at Desperation Church, where one of my friends, Andy Heiss, is the lead pastor, uh, self-described as the dollar general of churches, like, give us the 60-second version of why it's the Dollar General, and then we won't come back to it. Yeah, so uh, he always tells Pastor Chris Hodges at Church of the Highlands that they're the Walmarts and Targets of the church, and so they plant in the big cities. The megastore, super center. Yes, yes, and we're, we plant in the little big towns, the small cities, and so we're the Dollar Generals of the church. <laughs> so so, you'll have a, a church in... Uh, Coleman, Jasper, Arab, and Hayden. Yeah, Alabama. like people listening from other places don't even know what those cities are. Yeah. Maybe Coleman. Yeah. But you know, there's like an Arab. There's a, I mean, I, I know cause I'm, I'm here, mm-hmm. but it is like, they've gone to the small cities and it exploded. I mean, I mean, I think we only had like 3000 people in these tiny towns. Yeah. Going to your, going to your church. Yeah. I think, I think the big deal is, is a lot of times, especially in church planting world, people, when they're praying about a city, they have a big city in mind. And when we're praying about a city, and even Pastor Andy, he on a 21-day fast, God spoke to him and told him to go to Coleman. And then it just evolved from there of, hey, I've called you to, to small towns. And we're all, our entire staff, 
um, are small town people. And so that's just how we grew up and, and we relate. We get to bring a life-giving church to those to towns. The, get, yes. and, okay, so we, we, I promise you, like we're not here to talk about Desperation Church, but you know, Andy was on a podcast, another one that I do the intro and outro for uh, with the Courageous Pastors Network. And he said oh, yeah. something about everybody. Yeah, everybody knows us. He talks with a country twang. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to try to do it, but... I can do a perfect impression. Do it. Huh? How you doing, baby doll? How you doing, boy? <laughs> or like when you answer the when he answers the phone, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be a senator. And he'd be like, hang on, this is a senator. And he's like, boa, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, just like that. That is how he talks. Yeah. That's how he preaches. Boa. He, okay, so he said on this, everybody knows us as the hot dog church. Yeah. Because you guys set up, grill out, all of that. I just talked about that like on a couple episodes ago that we did that in the inner city. Yeah. Hot dog church because you guys set up, grill out, give people free food, mm-hmm. just come hang out. Yeah, it really became a nickname, the Hot Dog Church or the Hamburger Church. And um, it was, you know, we'll set up the grills and have these huge eight by uh, four foot banners or choroplast signs that say, lunch is on us, don't worry, it's free. You'd be amazed uh, at how the kingdom of God grows with a hot dog. Do people still go, are you sure it's free? Like, what's the catch? Are you Yeah, all the time, man. I I argue with people all the time who are like, well, here, at least just take this donation. I say, no donations accepted here. And then finally, when they get semi-abrasive, I say, ma'am, how many times do you think I've won this argument? A lot. And so I said, you pay it forward. Go take care of somebody else's meal. And uh, it's amazing uh, what that does for people. Because generosity with no strings attached, is missing in our culture. Well, it's contagious, too. Like, once people get it, it's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. They're blown away. Yeah, all right. So let's, um, we we could talk about all that stuff forever, but one of the key things that Adam and I connected on, I think think a couple weeks ago, actually it's been months ago, uh, we rolled up to Desperation had just bought the Civic Center in Coleman, uh, renovated it. it. It looks phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it looks like stuff people would put on Instagram. But mm-hmm. but it's like simple. Yeah, know? like it it is this incredible thing you guys have done with the facility. So we walked in, and I got to go back to the green room. There's nothing green about it. I don't even know why they call it the green room. But there's uh-huh. snacks and all that. Like that's where you have like your your guest and oh, your yeah. like your dignitaries. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but you and I started talking because. Um, there, there's just sometimes you're just drawn to certain people. We started talking and found out we have a lot of the same junk in the trunk uh, of the past. And, you know, I had written a book on emotional wholeness um, that I'm going to put a link to where you guys can get the audio book. Which is great, by the way. Real cheap down yeah. here below, like 10 bucks. It's normally a lot more than that. So take advantage of that. Uh, put a link to Adam's book. So we started talking. Like, talk to me about your journey. I don't want to set it up too much. Yeah. Yeah. So back in uh, 2018, um, I ended up uh, going through a divorce. I was a pastor and uh, there in, uh, in, in Jasper. Um, we planted 2015. And uh, in 2018, um, my wife at the time came and uh, just told me that uh, she was leaving and um, it was, uh, you know, it was it, 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 it was a devastating scenario for me. And um, well, because nobody ever walks down the aisle thinking, you know, walking down the aisle, fifty percent of marriages mm-hmm. don't make it. Right. But everybody walks down the aisle thinking, hey, we're making it. Like we're yeah. not. Nobody. It's not even on your radar that you might not. Right. That there right. would become a time when the other person would say. 
I don't anymore. Yeah, I don't think anybody, uh, very few people, especially in in uh, in a life of following Jesus, ever think that that's going to be a part of their story. Right. But it ended up being a part of mine, and so now here I am having not a clue of what to do. While you're leading in a church. Yes, yes. As soon while as, you're in a small town. Yes, yes. And it was, and God gave us a, an incredible platform there um, in that, in Walker County as a whole. And it was, you know, it, it was public. It was uh, very known and it was, it was, it was incredibly, incredibly difficult. And I took about half a year off or so and began to um, just listen to what the Lord was speaking to me. And I started taking notes in my iPhone, and I would just write them down every single day, just filling up notes, filling up notes of what the Lord was speaking to me. And uh, He really took me on this journey. And of course, I was in counseling, and I had uh, I was in community, and I had pastors and uh, around me, and people loving on me. But the Lord really showed me personally what it was like to heal from emotional woundedness. And I had, um, I didn't realize how much pain I had from the past that I had covered up. That had nothing to do with the divorce or the struggle you're going through then. And counseling really helped me dig it up, uh, if you will, and and really just uh, give me the courage to really talk about it. But there there was a lot in me. I had a great life, a great family. Uh, but I had some some pretty significant uh, tragic events happen, and um, I had never dealt with it. And the Lord just really took me on this journey of of healing. And when I talk about, um, it was so surreal to me that it was almost unbelievable to the point of like, I don't think people will will believe that I'm healed. You know, because in the South, especially in in the Christian world, we can say the right things. Yeah, I'm healed, man. Everything's great. Right. It's amazing. But internally, like, really, I was whole. I was whole. My soul that you were talking about, it was whole. Yeah. And, um, but it was a journey. It was very rigorous, and it was the opposite of everything I wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because pain has the potential um, to make us all stupid and make us make incredibly um, out of care, just out of character decisions that could end up taking us um, down a, a a very very dark road. And I've seen it happen. I've sat on the other side of the table with so many people who have been in pain, and I, it doesn't matter what title was before their name, how educated they were, where they came from, what they did, nothing. Um, um, they were. Um, they would make decisions, and I think honestly, that's what helped me is that they would make these out of character decisions from their pain, and they were living dictated by their pain and owned by their pain that caused way more devastation than ever should have happened. Right? Does that make sense? No, it makes, yeah, I've seen that. And so I knew that this was going to be the opposite of not just that, but everything that I. My soul, my emotion, my mind, my will, and my emotions wanted to do. Um, and so I remember uh, uh, for the first month uh, after uh, my wife at the time left, I was, uh, I, I slept. I went to sleep 
and I was off, but I slept. And the reason I slept wasn't because of laziness. It was because I did not want to feel. And I kept waking up hoping, man, that it was just a bad dream. I kept hope, hoping that the scenario would uh, be completely different and that life would be just as it should be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, well, I've been through the same yeah. course of events. Yeah. Where, I mean, in both situations, with without getting into details, you know, I was the one that was left. So you always, in most scenarios, you have the the lever and you have the one that's left. Yeah. You you were the one that was left. Mm-hmm. So she was the lever. Mm-hmm. You know, my ex-wife was the lever. Mm-hmm. Again, without getting into detail. And, and understand, in every relationship, a lot of people want to cast blame and go, oh, well, it's there. In every relationship, in every situation that breaks down, there are two people involved. Mm-hmm. And that is not popular to say. And, yeah. you know, people will... You know, roast you on social media if you go. Well, well hold on. Like both people are involved with this. Like yeah. it's there are things that both people did wrong. There are things that both people can learn there. But but yes, I get it. When you are the one that is left, you sit there thinking, hoping. Hey, at some point, I remember in my mind just playing it. You know, hey, this I'm sleeping on a couch in the attic for a year, yeah. more than a year, and I'm thinking. At any day now, I'm gonna wake up. This is gonna be over. Yep. You know, at any you know, people are praying for a miracle. At any day, this is gonna change. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going a trip for three weeks, like a work trip. You know, yeah. hey, I'm gonna come back, and this is gonna be radically transformed. N- not so. Uh, yeah. You take it for so you. Yeah. You're thinking the same. Yeah, thinking the exact same thing, and and. I remember the day that God spoke to me, and this is where the notes started. And that are going into the iPhone. That are going into okay. the iPhone, which eventually turned into a book. But I, I wasn't even thinking that. Um, You're writing for you at the time. I'm writing for me, and yeah. I'm, I, and it's almost like something that I have to go back to and remind myself. But I remember the Lord spoke to me, and He said, "Get up after a month of sleeping. Get up." He said, "You can choose to feel this now." Or you can still be talking about it 20 years from now in a negative context. Okay? And so I wrote that down and I was thinking, okay, so now I have to feel this? And I I got to thinking, I just started, man, uh, typing away uh, the number one thing that we want to do when we feel pain is not feel it. Right. So when you get physically injured, when you get, um, I, I've had, all, I don't know if you've had surgeries. I've had all kinds of surgeries, broken bones, torn ligaments. I've had like two very small surgeries yeah. in my entire life. Huh. It was the nose job. That's a great joke. I had, I had <laughs> now I'm going to be conscious about my nose and be like, oh, no. It's a great nose, man. man. I was like in, when I was like eight or nine, you know, I remember having a hernia operation. Like a lot of boys just have them. Yeah. And, uh, like, I remember praying for healing, like, on the way to the doctor. Uh-huh. Like, this became traumatic. Because, like, I legit, in the back seat, I'm sitting in the floorboard of the back car. Yeah. Because you don't have to have a seatbelt back then. I mean, we rode the hump, you know, riding the back windshield, mm-hmm. whatever, and the station wagon ride the back. I'm legit praying for Jesus to heal me. And if he doesn't, I'll just follow the devil for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that's my logic. Yeah. You know, and then I'm like, oh, golly, I had to get a surgery. Oh, oh no. What, what, yeah. is, what does that mean? Like, it was... To you, it's life or death. Yeah. I'm like... 
oh, golly, I just signed over something. I didn't even get to learn how to play a fiddle or anything, whatever that song goes. You know, like people sell their soul for much more, right? And then I worked through all that and then I, uh, I had a surgery on my finger. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. But I know what you're saying about physical pain because when you get it, you want it to go away. But one of the things I wrote in the Soul Wholeness book is that physical pain without it you wouldn't know that there's an issue you need to deal with. Yeah. So if you broke your arm and didn't feel pain, you'd probably be okay because you'd see the arm lingering, yeah. you know, limping. It, yeah. But if you didn't know shortness of breath and you didn't feel numbness in, you know, through one of your arms, you might not know that a heart attack is on the way. Right. If you didn't feel pain when you reach out and touch a hot stove, you might just singe off your finger. Right. So the pain in those instances becomes... A help. Also, the other side, if you didn't know the pleasure and the euphoric sensation when you are intimate with your wife, mm-hmm. I, I mean, think about the loss of. Yeah. Uh, so the physical sensations work both ways. Mm-hmm. The emotional sensations, the same. Yeah. Pleasure emotionally tells you something. Pain. Yeah. Yeah. And going to, you know, my whole goal. And it was to, I wanted to handle it right. That was a big goal for me, was I wanted to handle this right. I wanted it to be different because I'd seen people who were destroyed for years and and just kind of like where the Lord spoke to me and said, you can still be talking about this 20 years from now. I can have conversations with somebody who went through something 20 years before that and they're still rotting on the inside from it. Unless they processed it. Unless they processed it. And so when, uh, when, whenever we get physically wounded or emotionally wounded, if we do not treat that correctly, if it's not treated the right way, it's going to become infected. And then eventually we can become septic and we can become, our soul becomes sick. And it not only uh, makes us sick, but it can make everybody around us sick. And so I just wanted to handle it right. And so when the Lord spoke that to me, and I was thinking about, okay, he said, feel it. Because my first, when I would go to the emergency room from a physical injury, my first uh, statement was, Doc, I need you to knock me out. I don't want to feel this. And it's the exact same way with emotional pain. Our, our first response is not to feel it. I don't want to feel this. I want it to feel better. I want my pain to go away. And so some people, like me, I slept it away. Some people uh, drink it away. Some people, you know, like when you're emotionally hurt, a few too many drinks sound incredibly appetizing. So many people in active addiction, uh, they use it away. Some people can porn it away or sex it away. Something to shock me enough. Or even uh, beneficial things. Like some, some people can workaholic it away. Yes. They can yes. exercise it away. Mm-hmm. They can... So it's not just that you can use good things for the wrong reason. Absolutely. Or just keep, you know, you've heard the advice before. Oh, man, just keep yourself busy. Just keep yourself busy. I mean, that's that's actually advice people give. Yes, very common. I've even given that advice before. Like, man, just keep yourself busy. Keep yourself going. And it's still not dealing and feeling the pain. It's still almost a distraction or a cover-up or a form of self-medication. And so the very first step to allowing 
God to begin a healing process is choosing to feel it. It's choosing to feel it. And um, I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I think about, you know, uh, the ASV version, for those of you, and that's the Adam Standard version. For those of you who don't know the story, basically King, King Nebuchadnezzar, we'll call him King Neb, he, say, he just tells everyone, he says, listen, when this band plays, I want all of y'all to bow to this statue. And so band plays. Statue and, of himself. Yeah, yes. yeah, I know it, I know it. And, uh, and so when the band plays, everybody bows except three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar was incredibly angry. And uh, his threat was if you did not bow, you would be thrown into this hot, fiery furnace. And when he saw Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego standing there, he turns it up seven times hotter. And it was so hot that the people who threw them into the fire were, uh, they became ash, they burned up. It was that hot. And uh, he, I, I want to stop right there for a second because I think in our pain, we just want God to change the situation, kind of like the guy in the attic. When you said you were sleeping in the attic, you want to wake up. We want God to yeah, I know, I know it, I know it. We want God to change the situation, yeah. and sometimes He'll let it get seven times hotter. Sometimes He'll let it get worse. That's what He did in mind. Like it got, yeah, it got progressively. And and it was, what was interesting is the more healed and whole I was getting, the worse the situation was growing. Right. It was bizarre. Right. Anyway, go ahead. I yeah. interrupted you. No, no, no. Um, and, and absolutely, and same here. Um, but he turned it up seven times hotter, and um, then the text goes on and says that Nebuchadnezzar looks into the furnace, and he sees not three, but four, and one of them appears to be the Son of Man or the Son of God. And um, I would just say this from that story, that before Jesus ever changes our painful circumstance, he wants to meet us in the middle of it first. So the goal is to feel it, face it, and embrace it, but then invite Jesus into it. And honestly, that was that that was the kicker for me, of just because we're control freaks, we're trying to control a desired outcome. Yeah, uh, we're trying not to feel it. We're trying to just make like, hey, let's let's get life back to the way that it was. Yeah, let's fix it. And Jesus just said, all right, hey, just stop. I want to meet you in the middle of this first. And so text goes on and says that they came out and says that they, um, Nebuchadnezzar calls them out of the furnace and says that they weren't burned. Uh, their, the uh, bondages around their hand were burned off, uh, but they did not even smell like smoke. And I don't know about you, but you know, talking about the person who's still talking about what they went through 20 years ago in a negative, bitter con right. you know, context, um, that's people who still smell like the fire that they. You were can in. smell it on social media. Oh, I mean, like yeah, yeah. Just go look. You can hear it in conversation. Smell it on Twitter is turned into a cesspool. Yeah, I mean it's, yeah, yeah, and um, and that was that was really the the goal for that was okay. I don't want to smell like this the rest of my life. Okay, so what we said so far is, I mean, obviously we introduced the hot dog church and all that. Talked about a little bit about your story pastor, has a public platform in a small town, all of that, you go through this, let's just say a traumatic situation, it's headed towards divorce at that point, in the pain, you got to deal with it, she's walked out, so you've said, you got to deal with it, got to face it, and feel it, 
and Jesus is going to meet you in it. Theologically, I would say he like he's already there. Like yeah. he's he's kind of waiting for you to show up. David says, "Hey, there's nowhere I could go from your presence." Paul mm-hmm. says in Romans eight, you know, no no height, depth, angels, principalities, things present, things to come. Nothing can separate you. Hebrews, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So he's going to meet you in it. So I want to stop right there in the story. I'm going to close it out. Uh, here's what I want you guys to do that are listening is I'm going to invite you to go to the show notes. Uh, down there, I've got a link to Adam's book, Pain Not Wasted. Um, you can get that on Amazon. You can pick it up. It is a very fast read. We're going to talk a little bit more about it in the next episode. I've also put a link down to where you can take a free emotional wholeness test 10 questions 10 yes no questions and it's going to help you identify where you are there's also a link to the soul wholeness audiobook it's just 10 bucks normally it's i think 25 it'll unlock it right there you can start listening right away we're going to be back in the next episode and we're going to talk about jesus meets you in the circumstance you think it's going to come off like a shadrach meshach and abednego you're going to walk out of the fire and things are going to be exactly like they were before or better. But what happens when you walk out and it's not fixed? Right. You still don't smell like smoke. <laughs> the chains or bounds are gone, but it's not like what you thought it was going to be. Uh-huh. You don't get... Because let's just set it up in your store. You didn't get the win. Yeah. In the sense of what? Yeah you were initially praying for yeah yeah the desired outcome that's in my mind didn't fix mine didn't fix either yeah so here's i'm gonna sign off here's my prayer is that the lord would bless you he would keep you be gracious to you he would shine his face of intense favor on you wherever you are right now even in the place of pain that you would look around you'd see sense feel that's the big word that he's near, that you would even feel the circumstance in which you are, knowing that hope is its not coming, it's there, and resolution is on the way. Grace and peace. We'll be back with Adam next week.